Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, this is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters. Welcome back. You know, I've been getting a lot of comments from the Money Matters community about what's happening in the stock market. So I thought what I might do today is a mid-summer review. Now, I want to, you know, preface this by saying that it's almost Labor Day weekend. It is like 100 degrees in New Hampshire this week. So it really does feel like the dog days of summer, if you will. And the market seems to be going up. And, you know, it's kind of funny because this is one of the thinnest traded weeks of the entire year. And so I want to explain a little bit about what that means. So in the summer, I don't know if you've noticed, people go on vacation. And so Wall Street tends to go on vacation. August tends to be the month, the end of August, specifically that, you know, a lot of people just are not working. They want to get out of the city and away from the heat. There's a lot of vacation. And as a result, a lot of what you see in trading every day is computerized trading. You know, the machines are still working, but the people aren't. So as a result of that, what happens is you can almost push markets in any direction that you would like because there are not that many people buying and selling every day. If a like-minded group gets together and decides sell, you could create a sell-off. Or if they decide buy, you could create like a little rally like we're having this week. I always think about 2015. So in August of 2015, like on one day in the end of August, we had a thousand point sell-off that recovered oh, I don't know, probably like within three or four days. And it happened mostly because, again, very thinly traded markets, one trading error from a big trading firm, and then all of a sudden the market's off a 1,000 points. So this is my personal favorite time not to be buying stocks because I always just think it's just too dicey in there. It's okay to just give it a week and see what you're doing next week. But let's talk about where we are. Now, this is not 2017 where you know, everything people bought made money. You could almost buy dirt and make money last year. In fact, you probably could have bought dirt. You could have bought land. But this year's not really the same. Markets this year have been, well, U.S. large company stocks have been pretty good, but stocks overseas have been bad. And by bad, I mean have lost money this year so far. So let me just give you a quick rundown of the losers. High quality bonds. Sort of safe, but in negative territory year to date, almost 2%. European stocks down 3%. Emerging market stocks down 7.5%. And then some US stocks still not doing well. So consumer staples, these are things that move kind of despite the economy. So like think Coca-Cola. People buy it, but when the economy is good, they don't say, you know, let the Coca-Cola flow. They only drink so much of it. So when the economy is good, they don't tend to do as well as companies that move with the economy. That sector is down 5.8% year-to-date. And then telecommunications. So even though technology is really strong, telecommunications is down 
6.5% year-to-date. In addition to that, oil is down, natural gas is down, and gold is down about 7% as well. So there are lots of losers mixed in with this year's winners. Why do I say that? Well, what's really important is I think sometimes people are looking at their investment account, whether it's their 401k or their individual brokerage account, or, and they're trying to figure out how come they're not making a lot of money this year. And you know what I'll say to you is a lot of things aren't making any money at all. Some things are losing money, and then some things are just making really a lot of money. So an example would be the S&P 500 which is the 500 biggest companies, and you can buy that a million different ways, whether you're using a mutual fund or an ETF where you're owning the S&P 500. But this year, so remember, the, the telling in the company is it's 500, right? So there are 500 companies. There really aren't 500, but there are supposed to be 500 companies in this index. So you think it's a big, broad index, represents the market in general. And so I was interested to see coming out at the end of July that 71% of the total return of the S&P 500 was generated by four companies. And I think if you're an investor, you know these four companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, and Netflix. 71% of the 500 companies, all the return came from four companies. Because there are companies, of course, in the S&P 500 that have lost money this year so far, and many companies that haven't really made any money this year. And then companies like Amazon, which is up like 23% year-to-date, that's kind of pulling along the rest. So if your account's not doing that well this year and you're trying to figure out why the market seems hot and you're not, what you really want to look at is what do I own in the market? Now, I'm actually a big believer of diversification, which is the idea of not trying to put all your money in one thing and hope it works out. But, you know, this year wasn't that good for me because if I'd really put everybody's money in Amazon, it all would have been fantastic except that the first time Amazon becomes General Electric, it all becomes bad. And so you want to think about how much risk and how you want to spread your, your risk around the world. But this year, frankly, it's been better off to be in U.S. stocks than anywhere else. Now, you hear a lot about are stocks too expensive? Are the PEs too much? And if you listen to the pundits on TV, they all talk about why they are maybe being selective about buying but why they still think the market could go higher. But what they're actually not doing is buying more. They're talking about it, but they're not buying. So why? You know, if people think the prices of stocks are too high, why aren't people selling? Well, you know, sometimes it's that they don't want to pay the taxes on the money that they've made in stock. Sometimes it's because they don't know what they put their money into. And then, of course, there's always good old-fashioned greed, which maybe the stock will go higher after I sell, and then what will happen? And so staying in stocks is not the same thing as being willing to buy stocks. So people that are putting money into stocks is a very small percentage of flows going into U.S. stocks these days. So people aren't buying, but they're not selling either. And that is indicative of a change happening within the market. Now, it doesn't mean that stocks couldn't go higher from here. It means that there has to be a stronger economic argument in terms of profitability of companies that make you want to put more money to work at this price. Now, with that said, one of the things that's been pumping up the price of stocks a little bit is what we call stock buybacks. I'm going to talk about that next, why that matters and how that might be affecting the total return of stocks this year.
I'd like to talk a little bit about stock buybacks. So what are they? What's it mean to you? And why do you care? Well, the first thing I'll say to you is 2018 has been a record year for stock buybacks, some $650 billion. And the last time we had a best year, it was 2007. Now, some of you might remember 2007 as kind of the last good year before the last big correction. And so sometimes stock buybacks can provide extra legs in a market that might already be like a little topped out. What are they exactly? So companies use stock buybacks as a way to get rid of their cash without having to declare a dividend. They basically buy some of their stocks back from the marketplace. And as a result, those what we call treasury stocks, which the company still owns, are like company inventory. And so no longer do we figure things like price per earnings per share are all based on publicly traded stocks and not treasury stocks. Dividends are based on publicly traded stocks and not treasury stocks. So all of a sudden, overnight, it's as if the stock that you currently own without buying any more is worth a little bit more than it was before because there are less stocks in the marketplace. Now, many of you might remember that big tax reform bill we had last year. One of the biggest pieces of that tax reform bill was corporate tax reform, which meant that this year we knew companies would be making a lot more net income, meaning net income after taxes. And so they've got to figure out how they're going to take care of this income. Are they going to invest it in their business and expand? Are they going to pay a special dividend to shareholders? Are they going to do stock buybacks? Or are they going to sit on the cash? Well, they all sit on some cash. Let's face it, publicly traded corporations need to have a lot of cash in hand, but at some point it becomes ridiculous. So they need to either put that cash to work or they need to get rid of it. That's really what it comes down to. They either need to expand, whether it's research and development or acquire another company or you know, build another factory or however they're going to expand their business, establish a new product line and use that money to start something new or enhance something old or they have to get rid of it. And they can really only get rid of it in two ways. They can either pay a dividend or do a stock buyback. And so why not just a dividend, you say? Dividend's good. I could take some income as a shareholder. Well, dividends come as um, income to the shareholder. And the shareholder has to pay taxes on that income in the year that they receive it. But share buybacks instantly increase the value of the shares that you and I own without us actually having to pay taxes on it. So it increases the value of our company, but it doesn't create a tax responsibility right now. And later on, when we go to sell, if, you know, if and when we go to sell, we'll pay long-term capital gains rate, which is always cheaper than ordinary income rate. And we can determine when we're going to declare that based on when we sell the stock. So it's a little bit more tax-friendly for shareholders to get it in the form of a buyback too versus a dividend. But the primary reason why companies do this versus paying a dividend is they don't have to commit. They can say, oh, we're going to do some buybacks and it's going to be about X hundreds of thousands of shares. And then the market often will move right up based on the idea that they're going to do buybacks even before they've done any. And so they get kind of a lift in their stock, even if they haven't bought those shares back yet. And in fact, it was very common in 2007 to hear people talk about buying shares back in the marketplace and then never really buying all those shares back because, of course, market conditions changed and they were able to not do it. You know, they were able to just kind of suspend the share buyback program 
when things got bad and they wanted to hold on to their cash. So once they let it go, it goes out the door, whether it goes out the door in a dividend or it goes out the door in an investment. Once it's gone, it's gone. A share buyback is easier because they can do the share buyback now. And then if they get in a jam later on, they can sell those treasury stocks right back into the marketplace. Now, most people don't actually understand that part. The part that says they can dilute your shares and actually not mention it to you the next time they make a big news splash about how they're doing this because it helps the share price go up of the stock. But they're kind of quiet about how they sell their, their treasury shares back into the market. They're allowed to do that. There are not a lot of restrictions about it. And companies will do it. They don't tend to like buy them back and then sell them, buy them back and then sell them. But the reality is the next time they need to raise cash, they are going to put their more shares of their stock on the market. And so you kind of need to pay attention to if you're using buybacks as a strategy, you know, maybe as an indicator for what you'll buy. Or you can even buy an ETF today where it has, you know, companies that have large share buyback programs. You just want to be careful about the, you know, the frequent round trippers because that does happen and that it drives short-term return of the stock because it creates a buyer for the stock. But then later they drift this stock back in the market. So you're really not actually getting more share value over time. Is it illegal? No, it's not even unethical. It's just one of those things that you need to know if you want to be an investor that stays on top of what you buy. Really important for those of you that like to buy individual companies. And I know there are a lot of you that love to buy individual companies that listen to this show and other financial shows. So what you want to know is that typically companies that do share buybacks tend to do better. Because in a year like 2007 or a year like 2018, when there's not a lot of appetite for people to put more money in stocks, share buybacks act like corporations buying their own stock back. So they create a buyer in the marketplace where maybe one does not exist to the level that would maintain their share price. So it's kind of tricky. I always say well, the more share buybacks people announce, the more I know that probably the next decline is coming because this is usually the last leg where they're wringing the most out of it that they can to do whatever they can to kind of move their share price and that that math eventually slides the other way. Like I said, not a reason not to buy it, but really a reason to be careful about things like, you know, the buyer beware. And with last year's corporate tax cuts, share buybacks have become the thing of the day. Now, I know that many thought, hoped when tax reform came that they were going to use this money to do things like, I don't know, pay their employees, benefits, business expansion, which would be good for the country. But when the day's done, really what they do, they don't actually work for the country. They really work for their shareholders. And for their shareholders, the best thing they can do is try to grow that share price. And so that's what they're doing with that money. Is it wrong? No. But you just need to know about it and you need to know how you pay attention to it. So in the heat of the summer, my recommendation is that you slow down, take your time, and maybe move your money into stocks over time rather than just trying to put that money to work. You only get really one crack at purchase price, so you just want to be, you want to take an opportunity to use that. You know, I think sometimes people just throw money at stuff and hope it works out, but I always say, better to go a little slower, maybe break your buys up over two or three months and allow you to try to see where the market is before you've decided to put all your money in. And if you're nervous, or if you have a goal that's a year to two years from now, you might want to think about cutting your exposure to stocks and raising some cash for those goals. I think about this as really important for people that have kids that you know are going to college in the next year to two years. If you're all in equities with that money for college, this is a great opportunity to be thinking about 
rebalancing those portfolios back to some of these less exciting asset categories and protecting ourselves from some decline that we might get from the things that have been really pulling the market forward. So with that said, I wish everybody a happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you found interest in this. And remember that if you did find interest in this, the best and favorite thing you could do for me is share that information on iTunes and say that you enjoy it, rate the podcast, and share with your friends. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.